Good morning. morning. Nice to be here. Um, Karen and I have been traveling for several weeks, visiting our family. I had some business in the Midwest, and um, it's nice to travel. It's nice to see people. Uh, but there's something really nice about walking in the door when it's all over, except for unpacking. But other than that, it's all good. It's all good. So uh, two weeks ago, we were in the um, Farmington Hills branch. Uh, branch two, branch four, and Celine have merged. And they bought a building. Um, they've been looking for a building for six years. Um, they went into fasting and prayer this last year. And this church building came on the market. It was built in 2000 for a million five. Everything in the area has appreciated. Um, the, the congregation had dwindled. And they made an offer for 600 and they accepted it. And so they are renovating the building, expanding it uh, so that it will seat about 200. They have about a, they're about the same size of us. So we met in that building for the first time. It was, it was quite nice to, to see the saints finally have a home uh, there in the, on the east side of, uh, the west side of, of Michigan. And uh, Lord willing, I don't know if you all know this, Lord willing, my wife and I have been praying about this. We want to spend more time with our grandchildren there. We don't know them that well. I mean, we, we know them, but we never been to a ball game, never been to a play. And we tried to squeeze all that in while we were there. And um, we've been praying about it, making a matter of prayer. And the Lord opened the door. We bought a condo there. It's being built. It'll be done in November. But I'm still working here full time. And so I've been praying that I'd be able to work there part time and here part time. And the Lord has opened the door this wide for that opportunity. And I told him there was no opportunity before he opened that door. And so I'm letting him take care of the rest of it. If it works out, fine. If it doesn't work out, then it wasn't meant to be. I was talking to my dry cleaner yesterday, and I was explaining all this to him. And, and, and I said, will you pray with us, Albert? And he said, let me get this straight. I'm going to pray that half of my income goes away for half the year. <laughs> I said, you got it. So, this morning... Um, I have to tell you, I have one of our young people on our minds because when I got her graduation announcement, it had this scripture that I'm going to use in it. And it was Sister Cat. And what was the scripture, Cat? Jeremiah 29. 29. Jeremiah 29. And um, when we were in uh, Michigan two weeks ago, and, and uh, it was Father's Day, and uh, it was cute. I was at the piano because they always ask me to play when I go there. And Brother Jordan Champagne came over and said, Brother Ken, we'd like you to open. And I said, well, that's wonderful. What would the Lord like this morning? And he looked at me and he said, well, but you're the visitor. I said, oh, so that trumps what the Lord likes. He said, no, no, no. I said, I, I, I don't feel to open this morning. I really feel that somebody else should open. He said, well, I woke up this morning with a desire to open. And so uh, he spoke, and it was, um, the older I get, the more, the more interested I am in listening. I know my wife says she hasn't seen that evidence yet, but <laughs> the more interested I am in listening to other people. And Brother Jordan spoke on, guess what? What did we just sing? 
The Mystery of Grace. Oh, he did such a beautiful job. I'm not going to steal all his scriptures this morning. I just want to tell you, since that sermon, I've been thinking about God's grace in my life. What that really has meant. God's grace in my life. You know, we were there for Father's Day. It was interesting. Um, I said, Cameron, I'm coming for Father's Day. He said, that's great, Dad. Just one, one little issue. I said, oh, okay, well, we'll work it out. What is it? He said, I've already made plans. Um, Jen's uncle, Leonard James Lavalvo, made plans for us to stay at his house and go to Pebble Beach for Father's Day. So I won't be there. I said, I don't come to see you anyway. I want to see your kids. <laughs> so as we FaceTimed them, as they're at Pebble Beach, he was saying to his brothers and uh, brother-in-laws were saying, let me get this straight. Your dad's at your house and you're here. I said, I, it's fine. It's all good. Sometimes mothers need to take a break. Sometimes fathers need to take a break. Sometimes kids need to take a break. That's why we created Camp Out. So our kids, it's all focused on the young people. So that our kids could uh, be the focus of our attention for one full week in everything that we do, in our evening service, in our seminars, in everything that we do. This morning I'd like to talk about God's grace in my life as a father. And then I'll end with uh, a little bit about our Heavenly Father. I don't know about your upbringing. Some of you may not have been around a father, and that's okay. I had a father that, um, for the longest time, I thought he's just not in touch. He's just, you know, he's too old. Um, I think when my dad had the four boys, he was in his 30s and 40s. And so he would have this routine. He would get up at 6.30. He would leave for work at 7. He would work the daylight shift. He was home by 4 o'clock, and my mother had to have that dinner on the table at 4.30. We ate dinner at 4.30 every night. And then after that, my dad was a heavy smoker. He'd go in the living room, had no uh, connection with church. Uh, he had family connection with church, but he was not interested. My mother was the churchgoer, and she took the four of us to church on a regular basis. My father would sit in the easy chair from 5 o'clock until he went to bed at 9 or 9.30. Then he'd get up the next day and do the same thing. Um, my dad had a good heart. He had a bad mouth. Um, he had a little bit of a temper. He was Irish. How my mother, Italian, and my father, Irish, ever survived a marriage is a miracle given their temperaments, but God bless them. I later learned in life that my father was a lot smarter than I ever gave him credit for. He was a provider, first and foremost. That routine of his, that was his gift to us to say, you, I've got this, you don't have to worry about anything. Now that didn't mean that it was a bed of roses. I think I've shared with you that on occasion, um, my father would sit down to the table with the four boys and my mother and we didn't have like meat, potatoes, vegetable. We had like one thing every meal. And I'm not crying poor, this was just a reality. So like one night we would eat macaroni and cheese. That was it, that was dinner. Next night we had lima beans. 
And then the next night we'd have city chicken. That was a big, big uh, chicken on a stick. Remember that, Pete? Remember city chicken? Anybody here? Yeah. So that was a big night. And then the next night we'd have lima beans. And then the next night we'd have meatloaf. That was a big night, another meat. And then the next night we'd have lima beans. So guess what I hate with a passion? Lima beans. I just got so tired of them. My dad had defined thoughts. He said this many, many, many times. None of my children will ever drink alcohol or I'll break their legs. What? Come to find out, my dad was raised in a bar. His parents were both heavy drinkers. And from the time he was a small kid, he was raised on a bar stool. And he said, none of my kids will ever drink alcohol. So when my oldest brother came home from Vietnam uh, with a drinking problem, my dad almost lost his mind because he loved us. His care for us, his ear for our safety, his heart for our well-being, his um, unspoken loyalty to us and our and our, our happiness was more important than any of the vices of this world or anything that the world could offer. He had a solid upbringing in terms of right and wrong. His mother was a member of the church um, and then left the church. He had an uncle that was an apostle, Brother Herman Kennedy. My, my grandmother's maiden name was Kennedy. Her first name was Rose. I think I've told you this. For years, I thought we were somebody with a grandmother named Rose Kennedy. We weren't. But my father taught me something, and that was that honor and reputation and honesty and good-heartedness and kindness, that those are what defined a man, not whether you could fist fight or whether you were a bully, or whether you um, commanded attention. I, I remember one time my dad said, um, don't ever take the Lord's name in vain. And I said, Dad, with your mouth, because I had never heard him say the Lord's name in vain, you're telling me not to swear. He said, I I'm telling you, I don't want you to swear, but never take the Lord's name in vain. That is just wrong. My dad went to sixth grade. He quit school to take care of his family. He didn't have much of an education. But he was profound in so many ways, and I only realized it when he was gone. My dad was a father from 1946 to 1990. He was a father for 40-some years. I think he knew what he was doing. So when I became a father, in 1981, Cameron, I thought I had all the ammunition I needed. I remember the day Cameron was born. It was 3.25 in the morning, right, Sharon? And uh, about 6 o'clock, Sharon said, I need to get some sleep. They took the baby away. And I said, you mind if I run to church? She said, no, go ahead. So I went home. I put a three-piece suit on and a tie, and I walked in those doors, the proudest father you ever saw. And uh, I remember um, the brother in charge said, well, the new daddy's here. We all got the word this morning. 
what do you have to say for yourself, Ken? And I got up, and being my mother's son, I started to cry real hard, and I said, I just hope he gets baptized one day. Because that was the most important thing that I could give my son. I had the privilege of raising two sons, both of which are now fathers, and it's an interesting thing to observe, you know? I remember when uh, Cameron became a father, he sent us a picture, somebody took it of him at the hospital. I said, I want to see him. Let me see Jen and the baby. He was like Aristotle. He was sitting there like this. The, the reality of becoming a father had just hit him, and he said, oh, my. And I said, yes, it's, it's a wonderful journey. I remember neither of my boys, unlike myself, like to dance. They just don't feel comfortable with it. I, on the other hand, I'm going to dance for the Lord one day. And I remember Cameron calling me and saying, I'm going to the daddy-daughter dance. I said, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. He said, well, I think I just need to get her out there and let her do her thing. But I watched their fatherhood take shape and take form, even as my father had watched my fatherhood take shape and take form. I remember that um, when uh, Christian got sick one time and Jen had had a tough week, I talked to Cameron and, I, and, and his voice was quivering. I said, what's, what's wrong, honey? He said, we've just had a rough week here. Everybody's been sick. Cameron's, uh, Jameson, excuse me, Christian has been sick all week. And he said, Jen just can't. I told her, go to church. I'll stay with him. So I'm laying on the couch here just trying to keep him warm. Now, all of these are tender moments that I've just shared with you as a father. Whether it was my father, me, or my sons. Probably the tenderest of which I just experienced. Mother's Day and Father's Day just passed. And you have to understand, with my youngest son, we have a relationship where our love is best shown by knocking against each other. And, uh, but I know that he would give his life for me, and he knows I would give his life, my life for him. Because that's how fathers feel. But the Mother's Day card this year, and the Father's Day card this year, I have saved, I may frame, it says, Mom, on Mother's Day, Dad, on Father's Day. I never knew. I never knew you loved me this much. Now that I have a child. And as tender as that is, it pales in comparison to the love, the care, the grace, the mercy that our Heavenly Father has for us. In um, this scripture in Jeremiah, it says in the fourth and fifth verse, and this is where, um, as I understand it, Jeremiah is um, um, the, the elders have been held captive by, by captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, who I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem and Babylon. 
Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, sixth verse, and begat sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they might bear sons and daughters that you might that ye may be increased there and not diminished. So I think in these three verses, four, five, six, he's saying, live your life. Go on about your business. You're in captivity, but life still goes on. So regardless, now none of us are in captivity, but regardless of where you find yourself today, struggling financially, marital problems, out of work, whatever the situation is, the Father wants you to go about your business. What else does he say? In seven, seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. Where you are in your circumstances, seek peace. I'm being held captive, and he's telling me to be full of peace. He goes on to say, and pray unto the Lord for it. That's the only way you can have peace in the middle of turmoil. I look at some uh, of the situations in this world today, whether it's on TV or on fa in Facebook or whatever, and I think, how can people have peace with what's going on? P children being mistreated and, and certain situations throughout the world. Seek it. Seek it How? Pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. For in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. In seeking peace, it will come, is what that is saying. For thus saith the Lord of hosts in the eighth verse, the God of Israel, let not your prophets or your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed. What's that say? It says, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted with, what do they call them? Prophets and diviners, false prophets, people that are saying something other than what I'm telling you, that's the word of God. People that are saying, live life, be, eat, drink, and be merry, because one day you're going to die. Don't listen to all of these other doctrines, all these other philosophies, all these other way of life. Listen to the word of God this morning. For it says in 9, they prophesy falsely, even in my name. But I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and I will perform my good work toward you. Here's the hope. He's giving them a promise. There's a better day coming. There's hope for a better day. When you're in the midst of, Sister Bonnie just lost her mom. And I don't care how old your mother or your father is when they pass, having lost my father, it's still your mother and father. I, I cringe when people say, well, they were in their 90s. So, that was my mother or my father. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years, be accomplished, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you, causing you to return to this place. Oftentimes, the Lord takes you back physically to where you've been, but more oftentimes, the Lord takes you back mentally to where you've been before. 
He'll bring to your remembrance, I've, had, I've been in this situation. And think about, what did the Lord do? When I said I'm trying to listen more, that's what I'm speaking about. I'm watching the 65 years that have, have passed, and I'm saying, oh, I remember 1991. I remember in 1988. I remember in 2000. Hard to believe. This coming New Year's Eve will be 20 years since Y2K. Our young people are going, what's Y2K? <laughs> it was the turn of the century from the 20th, 20th century to the 21st century. And I remember we all thought the computers are going to stop, the red lights are going to go out. Everything just went on like nothing. 20 years. For I, and here's, here's the couple verses I want you to, I want you to think about, 11, 12, and 13. Why does he say this? He gives reason. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is the verse that was on Sister Kat's graduation card. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. The Father has a plan. You've heard us speak about this before. The Father has a plan for you, and that plan is that your life would be blessed. Brother Pete, I caught the last bit of his lesson this morning because our children left just before I got here, and I wanted to see them off. But I heard him say something about the, the joy of, of, of the Lord and the peace of the Lord. And if you have, if you have um, what was it, Pete? If you have contradiction with somebody... Let Jesus Christ come into that situation. The contradiction will flee. I have had in my life, on many occasions, people come to me and say, you're easy to talk to. I don't know what it is about you. And the first thing I do is I give the Lord credit. I say, it's Jesus Christ in me. You're comfortable talking with somebody who knows Jesus Christ. If you ever have somebody say that to you, say that to them. Say, it's not me. It's Jesus Christ in me. Think about, brothers and sisters, who were you before the Lord came into you? I was a little kid filled with rage. You know, I have a brother that visited here recently. If Pete said he got a kick out of him because he's, he's loud and he's He's set in his ways. He's boisterous. I grew up with that. I grew up under that, where nothing I said or did, my cousin will, will confess to this, nothing I said or did was right. Everything got criticized. Yeah. I said to my brother just this month when he was here, you know I love you. He said, and that's a miracle. Because we had a lot of contention as children. When he went off to, to war, everybody was crying. I was cheering. I said, oh, he's out of the house. You ever feel that way about your siblings? The father wants, in the end, it's not going to be all the way through, but in the end, he wants you to leave this place with peace in your heart. He wants you to leave this place with a heart that is right with him. 
How is that possible? Only through, what did we sing? The mystery of grace. See, because as he extends his grace to you, then as Brother Pete spoke this morning, you learn how to ex extend your grace to others. I just want to tell you that, uh, in a way, a brief testimony before I sit down. The last two weeks, all the traveling I've done has taken, I told Sharon, we're not as young as we used to be. We got swollen ankles. We get on the plane now and go, mine are bigger than yours. My anchors are bigger than Physically, it's, it's becoming a chore just to do the normal things. But we're at a place in life where we're watching these grandchildren and, and our children become parents. And it is such a blessing. Because all that we have being given, we want to give to them. I remember when my boys were teenagers, one Sunday morning I was trying to prepare for the sermon and I'm in my room reading and the music I heard coming from the second floor was loud, it was metal, it was something else, not to say anything wrong about heavy metal music. But it was not something that was conducive to what I was doing. And I remember getting up from the desk and getting on my knees and saying, Lord, I've done everything that I can do to steer them towards you. But when on a Sunday morning, this is what I'm hearing, I'm feeling like I'm not making it. And Lord, I give you my children and their interests, and I pray that you will make their interests you. That week, we went to camp out. And I was leading the meeting as camp as the GMBA president. And we had a glorious meeting. Who just reminded me recently? I thought, maybe it was Brian. So I, Paul Aaron told me, Ken, do you remember what you did that night? I said, I don't. He said, you said under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, put 10 chairs up here. And we put the call out to the young people, anybody who needs prayer, that they would get closer to the Lord. And he said, at the end of the night, 10 individuals had requested baptism. I didn't remember that, that experience. I do remember that it was a very powerful meeting. And at the conclusion of the meeting, I felt somebody go like this on my shoulder. And I turned around, and there's Cameron. And he said, I can't do this. My oldest son. I said, you can't do what, honey? Play dumb. You get more information that way. He said, I can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And as much as I wanted to say to him, get them both in the church, I had to say what came out of my mouth, which was, this is a decision that only you can make. And he said, well, the ministry, ministry pray for me. And I thought, no, I'm not going to get in there and get emotional as his father and pray over him. I said, we'll get you prayed for. And we put him in the room, and a brother prayed for him. And praise God, when the prayer was over, his chains fell. And he said, I want to serve Paul. He was one of the ten. Uh, where's Brother Mark? Is he in the room? Okay, I think he was another one. I'm not sure. I know Bethany was one. I know Sister Alana was one. 
you know what I was listening to the next Sunday morning when I was studying the scriptures? Gospel music coming from the same second floor that the previous week heavy metal had come from. Only God does that. Brother Micah, we're going to have you hear a song. Uh, it's by a group called For Him, and it's Mystery of Grace. May God bless you.
Boy, I, uh, I really enjoyed Brother Ken. I'm, I'm only going to take a few seconds. Um, and then we're going to hear from Brother Luis, a uh, beautiful song. I, I really enjoyed Brother Ken so much. And uh, the scripture in Isaiah uh, that was on Kat's uh, invitation or thank you card, or was it on your invitation? No. Your graduation announcement? Yeah. yeah. Uh, to all of us, um, short term, not long-term, short-term. God has an expected end for us in many ways. Those of you that are young and you're seeking an education, a career path, he has an expected end for that. He has an expected end for uh, who you want to pick to marry someday. Yes? yes? All of that. But this beautiful scripture in Isaiah is long-term. And as we spoke this morning in Sunday school, God is motivated by one and only thing, love. And he wants to you to be reconciled to him. That your expected end would be to be with him someday. You know, I, I applaud Ken and Sharon. It, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> you, you've got to buy a condo and, and, and expand your responsibilities and what you have to care for and you're going to spend time in both places, which is different climates, and there's travel involved, and, and I'm with you. Traveling as we get older is not as easy. And all of that, and, and while they're there, they're going to miss us here, and when they're, when they're here, they're going to miss the saints there and the family, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of things that will tug. But it's being motivated out of love. There's no other answer. To be without your children and the ones you love, it's like not having air, and you can't survive without air. Amen? That's how God is with us, brothers and sisters. He wants us to be with him in this life and certainly in the life to come. Paul says something like this. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, we heard about it this morning, which is given me to you, word. If you know God's grace, you're going to give it out, brothers and sisters. Paul gave it to the saints constantly, not only in action, but in words and understanding. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote you a four and few words, whereby ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of grace or in Christ Jesus. Where in other ages it was not made known. In the Old Testament, remember what I said this morning, it was Christ concealed because of the hardness of their hearts. The mystery of grace wasn't understood in certain areas. But it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles, as well as Israel, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. You know what the gospel is? You know. All of you have experienced it that have come to Christ. That's the mystery of grace revealed to us. And I might not fully understand. We used to sing this song when we were kids. Oh, how I used to love the tenor Ken. 
I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he died for me. But oh, I'm so glad that he did. And that's what we're going to be revealed to us. Someday we're going to really know the love of God. We know it in part here, as Brother Tony said last week, in a glass darkly we see the things of God and we can imagine and by faith we experience. But one day we'll have knowledge, brothers and sisters. One day we're going to feel the, 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 the nail prints of his hands and the scar on his side and his feet. And we're going to know the Savior loved us from the beginning of the world. To know that his love was real. It's what causes me to love my children and my wife and my grandchildren. I tell my kids all the time I should have grandkids first. And it's what causes our children, once they become parents, praise the Lord, I got the same card, Ken. Now we know how much you loved us because we're experiencing the same love again. Isn't God beautiful? That's his plan for the human family. And so my brothers and sisters this morning, it is our responsibility. When Ken says, it's so easy for you to talk to me, for them to talk to you, well, I have Christ, right? He's explaining the mystery of grace to them at that moment. It's our responsibility to explain God's love. And you know, you might only say, you might be the only Bible someone ever reads. Do you know that? You might be the only Jesus someone even knows. You might only say to them, I can't explain it. Because I don't know why myself. But I invite you to experience it. Because if you pray to God, and you seek him, he will reward you. And he's diligent to do so. And will give you his love unconditional but you got to seek the lord's love amen so may god bless you my brothers and sisters i enjoyed so much the message i'm thankful that god has a plan for me are you thankful today that god has a plan for you <laughs> and that and that you should be able to see that i don't know you know when you're young and your kids yeah you you, you all see short term right as you get older and you're on the twilight side of life i'm not ready to go yet i still got a lot of energy but you still, you have a clear vision. You hunger after a place that you've never been. You long for it. How can we do that, brothers and sisters? Because our spirit that God has placed in us and the love that he placed in our soul, we begin to long for him even more. On that one reunion day, we'll be, we'll be with him. I, I, that is a mystery. I, I, I can only imagine what it'll be like. And so while... While we imagine, got to keep going on. Life's going to keep going on. It's spinning. The world is spinning, that song. So keep going, brothers and sisters. Keep loving one another. Keep contending for God's love and faith and his church and the doctrine that we so appreciate and love. You fight for that. Like Brother Ken said, don't go like a wind tossing to and fro. You stay the course, brothers and sisters. That he loves you, and he gave his son to die for you. And he rose on the third day that we might have the power in Christ to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And someday we'll live with him. May God bless you, my brothers and sisters, is my prayer.